Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Andy, you mentioned how the food was excellent at the White House. Can you get specifics as to what was all involved in the spread? Yeah, so um, they, they did have some good stuff. They had a a grill, I've never had this before. So a French toast, grilled cheese, and ham sandwich that they sprinkled a little bit of powdered sugar on. I mean, it was phenomenal. Uh, the guys were, and it was, there was abundance of this. Uh, and and then they had uh, chicken fingers, exotic chicken fingers. To put, and then maybe the best part was they had, uh, which I hadn't seen before, but little bite-sized squares of the heart of the watermelon. So whoever... You know, my hat went off to the chef. I went back and talked to him. I mean, I just go, you guys are unbelievable. I mean, whoever cut all of that out and had the patience to do that, that goes off to him. Big Red never really struck me as a watermelon guy. Don't want to waste calories on watermelon when you could be eating cheeseburgers. The White House has come a long way from McDonald's, that's for sure, although I'm sure Andy Reid would have been happy with a pile of cheeseburgers. Good morning. It's PFT Live, Peacock Series X of 85, Sky Sports Action. If we're on today, who knows if we will be, and also podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Miles Simmons in for a Friday. We're just one week away from the start of our five-week hiatus. I already have people lamenting the fact that we'll be gone. The reality is the website remains in operation, and I'll be doing PFTPM videos probably every workday, no days off except when we take days off. So we're not going anywhere except for the two-hour show will be gone. So let's make the most of it, Miles, as we begin the process of landing the plane. Yeah, uh, happy belated birthday. That birthday was yesterday. I, I am assuming that today you woke up, you came in, you opened up your laptop, and it smelled like cigars, right? Yes, this is one of those days. This is one of those days where everything about me smells like cigars. This is one of those <laughs> days where when I wash my hair, I smell the cigars in my hair. So, yeah, 
had a good time yesterday. And I, I did not go with the cigar and cigarette because I'm fresh out of cigarettes. But oh, I just damn. went with a, a large cigar option. Usually most nights there's a specific type of Padron that I like. It's a Hermosa 1964 anniversary series. It's a, a decent size gauge, but it's not a long cigar. So it's about 30 minutes to smoke mm-hmm. it. Last night I said the hell with it. I'm getting out one of the big, the big ones, and uh, it it took a while, long enough, long enough to make me smell so much like a cigar. I'm surprised you can't catch a whiff of it out there in wherever you are, out there in Southern, almost Southern hell California, here, almost is, heaven. Yeah, well, it's not that there, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, did you have any exotic chicken fingers? Like Andy Reid was talking about from uh, the White House. That's one of the, I don't know what an exotic yeah, I, chicken finger is, but that was one of the most random things to me. Like, what is an exotic chicken finger? I don't know what you can really do to doctor up a chicken finger. What can you do? Can you wrap it in bacon? I don't know. I don't know what can be done to it. Is there some magical spice that gets sprinkled on it? Now, look uh, the the way that the back back went back when I. I was at Kentucky Fried Chicken, a, a very major point of pride for those of us who had to cook the chicken, the extra crispy. The goal was mm. if you if you shook it in the basket just right, it would have maximum little pieces of dough that would that would like be popping up all over the chicken. So the best chicken fingers I've had are the ones that have that extra dough that that is like flaking off of it so i don't know i don't know what what makes an exotic chicken finger but i mean chickens don't have fingers and thank you very much for that yes there it is those i wish it you know that's close it's close but it wasn't pots and you're gonna burn your hands if you just drop it in like that that is so stupid you're not getting your hand out of the way you got to break the surface you got to break the surface with the chicken and then let in you can't just throw it in because otherwise that grease goes all over the place Oh, yeah, is, that's that's yeah. that's 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 a mistake. That's a hazard waiting to happen there by that that poor sap who's just throwing the chicken into the into the 360 degree shortening, as they called it. They didn't like us calling it grease back in 1982. It was shortening. Oh, yeah. Who knew we were going to get a cooking lesson from Mike Florio on the fried chicken methods today? <laughs> that's awesome. It's uh, it's all I know how to do, even though I haven't done it in 40 plus years. I could still, yeah. as I've said before, I don't know if it was a day when you were on. I could walk into so. a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant, back room, if it was laid out similar to the way that it was when I worked there. And it <laughs> it's a pretty big It's probably all automated now. It's probably all automated now. It's robots and AI cooking the chicken. But I could, I could do the job right now. I could walk right in there today and do the job. Just from all the repetition, 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 even though I only worked there maybe two years, year and a half, between a year and a half and two years, I could do the job today because it was the same thing all the time, all the time, and it gets burned into your brain. So yeah. anyway, but but your hands get burned if you don't. Just for anyone out there, whoever is inclined to drop pieces of breaded chicken into 360-degree shortening, break the surface, and then let go. If you plop it in, it's going to look like you've got some sort of disease because you're going to have little red spots all over your hands. Like I did, okay. even though despite my best efforts, I still had little red spots all over my hands. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, I've never actually made fried chicken. I, I make stuff all the time, mostly pasta. I'm all right at that. 
But yeah, I've never made fried chicken before. So maybe if I ever do that, which I don't know when I would do that, but if I do, I will remember that. You got to break the surface with the chicken. Just first. remember that. Right. Break the surface. Yeah. If yeah. if you also are, are, have access to you know an industrial fryer that that has you know a fifty pound block of lard that has melted into this perfect golden sea of potential death, if you fall into it, just be careful about dropping the chicken. And that's it. That's today's lesson. I didn't expect right. to be sharing my secrets of how to properly cook KFC chicken. So, but exotic yeah, chicken fingers. And what was the other anyway. thing? What, what, it was French toast, ham, and grilled cheese. Yeah. Is yes. that what he said? Yeah. It's like a, some kind of sandwich. I think he said it was Gruyere cheese on it too. I don't know. Yeah. It was powdered sugar on top. It, it sounds freaking phenomenal. He's going to be, I mean, he's a, gonna be ruined for cheeseburgers. Here. I don't think they have those in Kansas City, <laughs> coach. No, I don't think they do either. And I say that with all due respect to Kansas City, where I've had a great time. I was there a couple of weeks ago, Mike, for Memorial Day weekend visiting some friends. And we actually we went into a breakfast establishment and Travis Kelsey was there. He was just sitting there, you know, having a good old time, ostensibly with some slappies at tight end. I don't know. Nobody was bothering him, which was good. But yeah, once we got in and we saw him, we're like, oh, this must be a pretty good spot. So did you go talk to him? Did you tell him you're with me? No. You should have. He knows me. He likes me. He's one of the few who like me. It was your chance. I I don't know. First of all, I mean, it's a breakfast plate. Like we're trying to have brunch. I'm not, and I also was not trying to work. So, you know, it's not, if somebody's having breakfast, if it were a, like a wait different a minute, kind of thing, you're at a bar, like maybe you go up and you say hello. Well, but at that point, like well, I, he's trying to just have a nice little meal. I'm not trying to bother him. Nobody else is trying to bother him. You'd be respectful of somebody like that. Don't act like it's work for you to go over and go full, complete fan on a guy from Cleveland. That's all I hear whenever the Kelseys are mentioned. Oh, they're from Cleveland. They're from Cleveland. Cleveland this and Cleveland that. So don't act like don't act like it would have been I some should... burden or imposition on your free time. You would have loved it. If he had come over to you, you wouldn't have said, sorry, Travis, I'm not working today. That's very true. Funny story. I mean, I actually took piano lessons down the street from where the Cleveland Heights High School is. So, you know, they were sensibly practicing over there while I was also practicing doing something that had nothing to do with it. And one time they were talking about uh, Travis and Jason on their podcast, talking about this Wendy's that they would always go to across the street from their high school. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what Wendy's you're talking about. I used to go there after I would take piano lessons. So there we go. We talked about Cleveland too. Wendy's and KFC in the beginning 10 minutes You know what? You have yet again helped extend the all-time unbeaten streak that whenever someone says funny story, whatever follows isn't funny. It's not have funny. Have you ever realized that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing funny about that. <laughs> well, it's not funny ha-ha, but it's funny, you know, kind of, it's kind of funny how? because you wouldn't uh, expect What's so expect funny that? about, what's so funny about me? All right, um, I, tra- I want to say one thing about Travis Kelsey because I, I'm serious. I know him. He's always been very nice. My son and I have run into him multiple times. He's always very nice to my son, which always scores points with dad. And he's just, he's just a great, great guy. Now, he's probably become too big to acknowledge us commoners. But I'm talking about five years you ago, your, like in you Minnesota when the Super Bowl was there. 
But in, in Minnesota, when, when, when the Super Bowl was there, we chatted with him for a while, and then we saw him in Houston somewhere at the Super Bowl. So he's always been a great guy. Great guy. He's never forgotten, like, kind of who he is, and he just kind of has that persona of, of uh, just regular guy, and you could have gone up to him, and, and he wouldn't have, like, told you to get out of here or uh, the, the old uh, the Warren Sapp story, do you see any peas on my plate after someone said, I hate to bother you, and his story was – there's no peas on my plate because I hate peas, so if you hate to bother me, why are you bothering me? All right, let's get to it. Uh, there's no Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. Almost. You know, this has been such a clunky couple of months for the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. And I was told yesterday that Cook has been told that he's going to be released. But he hasn't been released. He'll be released today. This is the clumsy last-ditch effort by the Vikings to try to get someone to trade for him. This is the, you know, I'm going to turn this car around, Mr. Warning. Like, just cut the guy. Just cut the guy. Nobody wants to trade for him. Two days isn't going to make a difference. And it was so inartful. Like, at least the other teams that pull this grift will say he's been released or he's being released, and that will spur someone to call up and say, hey, you know what, before you release him, maybe we can work something out. By making it known that he's being released today, and getting it out there yesterday, of course, it's obvious to everyone. They're desperate for a trade offer. So what's going to happen? Crickets. You're not going to get a trade offer. You're not going to trade him. But they are so desperate to try to get anything for this guy that they're willing to play this game that ultimately is going to result, I am firmly convinced, in the Vikings cutting him at 4 o'clock Eastern today. Who would trade for that contract, Mike? And, and, and I mean, I just who would do that? Nobody wanted to even trade for Austin Eckler. And he was only set to make, what, $6.25 million this year in base out. Still set to make that, despite the fact that they added, you know, incentives to his deal and all that. I mean, you look at the state of running backs in the contract market for running backs right now. Nobody is trading for a contract that pays him $10.4 million base salary this year. And next year, it's supposed to go to $11.9 million, $13.9 million in 2025. Nobody's doing that. And I'm not saying that to like be mean to running backs, but at this point, what we have in the running back market, no one is doing that because when you look at it, franchise tag number right now is roughly 10.1 million. And there were three running backs were franchise tagged this offseason: Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. Tony Pollard's the only one who has signed his franchise tender so far. And I don't really know what the other two dudes are waiting for because I guess you could say that 10.1 million is a floor, but if you're a team and you see all of the things that have gone on in the running back market this year, why exactly would you be inclined to sign a guy for more than that over the long term? I, I, I just don't know. So Dalvin Cook, still effective running back, so really good running back, arguably one of the top running backs in the league, but there comes a point in time where it's a team construction question. And are you going to pay somebody at that position that much money? The answer, it seems, is no, because you can get very good production out of that spot without paying somebody that much money. Well, and you said a lot there. Let me say this first, as it relates to the franchise tag at $10.1 million. Because Tony Pollard, coincidentally or not, signed his franchise tender Right about the time that we said on this program, hey, Tony, 
probably a good idea to sign that franchise tender. And I, I since learned that coincidentally to us saying it, there were machinations and wheels moving like, hey, you know what? This guy better take the 10.1 because they could yank it at any time. As we get deeper and deeper into the offseason and closer and closer to week one, the longer Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs haven't accepted that 10.1, they are at real risk of that franchise tag being rescinded. And there isn't anybody out there that's going to give you $10.1 million for this year. No. Barkley, maybe somebody finds a way to do it. I don't know. Josh Jacobs, for everything he did last year, I don't think anybody is coming up with $10.1 million for him if he doesn't accept the franchise tender. But, you know, the reality is with the $10.4 million that Cook is due to make, and this is where I think it's different from Austin Eckler. Eckler wanted a trade and a new contract. Yes. So that was a non-starter. Nobody, I think, I think if they just could have gotten one year at $6.25 million for Austin Eckler, maybe you do it. But he wants right. to be paid more on top of it. For Cook, it's 10.4. Now, there's a clause in the contract that allows the team to do the automatic restructuring. They can take, what, $9 million or more, convert it to a signing bonus, spread it out over the rest of the deal, chop down the, the cap number for this year. But even then, it's $10.4 million in cash at a position where, as you said, supply outweighs demand. You know, people act surprised all the time about the devaluation of the running back position. The problem is there are too many of them. And this is something that dawned on me 20 years ago when I was going to the West Virginia games. I know I'm repeating myself, but I don't care. It's part of being old. I'm allowed to. At least I'm aware of it. Usually when you hear the same story over and over again from somebody old, they don't realize they've told it over and over again. I'm just going to assume every story I tell I've told before. But every year, another guy, another guy, another guy. It's like that guy could play in the NFL. That guy could play in the NFL. That guy could play in the NFL at the running back position. The reality Mm -hmm. is every major college has a guy like that. Who yep. just needs to have the opportunity, the blocking, being trusted to hold on to the football and trusted to pick up a blitzer, and you can play in the NFL. There's an overabundance. Here's the problem, though, in Minnesota, Miles. You take Dalvin Cook out of the mix, and what do you have? No disrespect to Alexander Madison, who has played well when he has been on the field. And he hasn't been a change of pace as much as he's just hanging around waiting for Dalvin Cook to be injured. He's started at least five games. He gets over 20 touches when he does. He's got multiple 100-yard games. I think he's got five starts, and he averages over 100 rushing yards per game. But he doesn't have that higher gear, that game-breaking, game-changing, difference-making ability that we've seen from Cook. Four games last year, he had a huge role in helping the Vikings get the win. Washington, Buffalo, Miami, and Indianapolis. He made big plays in each of those games that helped the Vikings win. Is Madison going to be a guy that they can count on to replace that production? Or are they just saying, you know what, we don't care if any of our running backs can do it. We're relying upon Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, a little dash of KJ Osborne. We're going from whatever running capacity we had to focusing more on throwing the ball. I think that's the real message they're sending. Oh, certainly. And look, when you have somebody who is as talented as Justin Jefferson, that's really where your offense should run through. Right. I mean, I I just that's the best receiver in the NFL. He told us that he was going to be the best receiver in the NFL going into last year. And then he went out and he proved it, led the league in both receptions and yards. And, you know, the only thing that was missing from the resume, I guess, last year was the touchdowns. And I think he'll get more of those this year, too. So I think when you have an offense like that, where it is set up to run through the best player offensively on the field, and that guy is a wide receiver, and you also have guys like 
like an Osborne, like um, an Addison who they just drafted, like a Hawkinson who they traded for last year. You use the pass to set up the run. Right. And this is not anything novel that I'm saying, you know, you you pass to get the lead and then you run to keep it. And when you run to keep it, I think a lot of that is more on the offensive line. Can you have that attitude where they know you're going to run it? We know we're going to run it. and We're in a four minute offense situation and we still are able to get it done. Now, Alexander Madison, I I guess I kind of like him more than you. Because I, I've always thought that he can be a really productive back if he just had that opportunity. So, you know, maybe he's uh, not going to throw away his shot, right? And he's going to be this kind of guy who takes advantage of the pups that he's going to be able to get, the opposite he's going to get now. So I, I understand what the Vikings are doing, especially when it comes to the running back position, given all the things we've been talking about. Well, to fully understand what they plan to do, we would need to be in the room where it happens. So uh, yeah. we'll just try to discern from afar. Hey, you're the one that started down this path. I'm just trying What's to keep up. What's your name, man? Now, Alexander Madison. Now, uh, now, 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 now uh, when, when you were explaining what the Vikings may be trying to do, pass to set up the run, that's where Madison makes more sense. Because if you shift into let's just hold the lead mode, that's where Madison could be a grinded out, grinded out, get you four or five yards consistently. One of the stats we had not long ago was the number of runs last year where Dalvin Cook had no yards or negative yards. Now, that may be a function of the offensive line, but still, if Madison is kind of that reliable grinder and he's a lot cheaper, they're paying him, I think, $3 million this year. And they're on the books with Cook for $2 million fully guaranteed. Now, he'll make that much somewhere else, so the Vikings won't have to pay it. But I think Madison could be the guy who helps them hold a lead. Build the lead with Jefferson, Hawkinson, Addison, Osborne. Hold the lead with Madison and maybe Ty Chandler. I don't know whether the Vikings are going to go full-blown revolving door or it's just going to be Madison. But look, we knew this was coming. The moment they re-signed Madison, when he was due to hit free agency, and it was a contract that was kind of like, that's not very much money. But hey, he's the backup to Dalvin Cook. Well, maybe he isn't. It's just been this three months of, of guessing. And I think this is where the Vikings have kind of created their own mess by allowing this weird uncertainty to exist and to linger. And I know that they have no obligation to tell the world what they plan to do, but the problem is it creates the impression that they don't know what they're doing. There needs to be a better PR strategy, and I don't think they wanted to tell the world what they wanted to do because they were holding out hope they were going to be able to trade him. I think they wanted to trade him after June 1 to split the cap charge over two years. And look, as of a week ago, I was under the impression he was going to be traded. By Friday, there was somebody out there that was going to take on the 10.4, and apparently that didn't happen. And maybe that's why they're doing this last-ditch effort. Hey, if you want to get this guy, if you don't want to have to get into a bidding war with all the teams that are out there that are going to be interested in him once he hits the open market, if you want to be sure you're going to get him, your only way to do it is to trade for him, and you take the 10.4, you activate the restructuring clause, you spread out the money, you reduce the cap charge this year. So I don't know, maybe there's still somebody out there who's going to decide this is our only way to surely get him. Because there are going to be teams that want him. I think there's going to be more than a few that are trying to get Dalvin Cook on their roster once he's officially released. Probably, because he's he's still an effective player, right? I mean, he, he's still 
uh, had over a thousand yards uh, rushing last year. And, you know, like you said, I mean, there were games where he really was a difference maker in that offense. But at the same time, I mean, there are plenty of running backs available. You know, and that's not counting all the ones that teams just brought in either via the draft or via undrafted free agency. Like Ezekiel Elliott, and he's not necessarily on the same caliber anymore as a Dalvin Cook, but that's one guy that's still out there. I haven't really heard anything about Ezekiel Elliott since that report was sort of put out weirdly that he was deciding between three teams and all three teams were like, uh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, Kareem Hunt, another guy that's still out there. We've seen how effective he can be in the last couple of years. So I think that there are veteran options at running back besides Dalvin Cook. And even if teams are interested, it's like, I don't know. I mean, how much better is Dalvin Cook really going to make you? And I guess that's me falling into the trap of thinking, man, this is a devalued position. But it's hard for me not to when we look at the Super Bowl and you see the, the, what teams are putting out there at running back. I mean, I love Miles Sanders, but like that's one starting running back. And then on the other side, you have Isaiah Pacheco and Jerick McKinnon, who are kind of a good one-two tandem. One's really good at receiving. The other puts his head down and is a seventh-round pick and is a rookie and is running really hard. So it's kind of, I don't know, like I say, it's a team construction question, Mike. Well, and look, the Eagles let Miles Sanders walk away in free agency. Jarek McKinnon was available to anyone for weeks before he re-signed in Kansas City. So you're right. That would be the argument. And when the Minneapolis Star-Tribune had an editorial over the weekend making the case for cutting Dalvin Cook, I I knew that that the Vikings were trying their damnedest to get the fans ready for this. And I've seen a lot of fans willing to support the move. I'm surprised because usually when you've got a big name running back who's done a lot for the team – and who still has gas in the tank and did all that stuff last year with a bad shoulder and has gotten the shoulder repaired, you're going to have fans who say, hey, we don't want to lose this guy. We just bought his new number four jersey last year. We don't want him to be gone this quickly. You know, he, he was. we bought the 33 and then he moved to four and we bought the four and where's Dalvin Cook? He's been such a great player. Look at that. Look at that catch the back of the end zone. That was a key play in the game against the Commanders. And this is the run against the Bills, the 80-yarder, when they're down 27-10. You got no chance in hell of any of the stuff that happens after that if he doesn't do this. If people are like, oh, he's lost a step. Well, if he's lost a step, all the defensive backs of the Bills have lost three steps because he sprinted right. by them all. So you mentioned Elliott. He was a top five pick in 2016. Kareem Hunt was drafted in 2017 and led the league in rushing as a rookie. Cook was drafted in 2017, was averaging 100 yards rushing per game until he blew out his ACL non-contact against the Lions, came back from that, and was great. 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, he's been great all along. He's played through injury. I just think that, and this one's fascinating to me because there's, I, I think, a, a, a question of analytics versus eyeballs. I, Sims and I were talking about this recently. And, and I made this point that you can make all the arguments based on roster construction and salary cap investment and where you best put your dollars and supply outweighs demand. But there's also what this guy means and what he does and look at what he can do. And what does that do to your team to remove that guy from the locker room when he's a great leader? He's got the C on the jersey and he's gone now. What what message does that send to the guys who are left behind And what impact does it have on your week-in and week-out football team? That's to be determined. It's going to be a great experiment. Because, look, the Vikings can still be contenders this year. And if the Vikings have another 
good enough is just good enough, get to the playoffs, one and done, or high end, go to the division around and get blown out by the Eagles or the 49ers, and Dalvin Cook is playing somewhere else and has a great year, you're going to have people say, man, if Cook had just been on this team, what a difference he could have made. That's the risk the Vikings are taking. Absolutely. And, you know, but that's I think that's a risk they're willing to take, Mike, you know, between getting rid of an Adam Thielen. Right. You also have uh, Kendrick signing elsewhere. It's just it seems to me like they're going from the Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer era to the Kevin O'Connell, Quesito Fomensa era. And this is kind of the stuff that they're trying to do to maybe compete while also transitioning at the same time. But I, I think the logical conclusion of this goes to, well, is Kirk Cousins going to be around next year? And that's something that Kirk Cousins basically has to play himself into, right? And so that's where I look at this and it's like, all right, this is a team in transition. They did win 13 games last year, but you look at it and you're like, man, this is one of the worst 13 win teams we've ever seen. And they proved it by going out and flopping against the Giants in the wild card round. So, I mean, they had a negative flopping point is too so, strong of a word. Flopping is, is too strong of a word. Is they could have won that game. They could have won that is game. It? They were driving to tie the game. Wait, 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 wait. When you throw short of the that's six on fourth down, that's not a flop. That's no. not a flop. Well, that's a well, flop to me. Well, well. Now, now you sound like me. My point is they didn't get blown out. <laughs> I've, I've, okay, I've endured. Did you lose or did you win the game? I've endured. I've endured plenty of Vikings playoff flops. That does not qualify as a flop. I'm thinking well, when you more kick like a field goal to win the game the and you're Bears like within 10 in, yards. Is that a flop? Like when you miss a field goal that short, is that also a flop or is that not a flop? Because you yeah, had a better chance to well, win that game than you had the chance to win the, the game against the Giants. To me, a flop is like 94 when they got blown out by the Bears at home in the playoffs. 92 well, when they got that. blown out at home by Washington in the playoffs. That's a flop when you just don't show up. They showed up. Their offense did. Their defense didn't. But, yeah, I mean, this last play, I I really don't need to see it again. I see it in my nightmares. But, (laughs) look, you can make the argument that the the offense is going to be better this year. Mm -hmm. Second year with Kevin O'Connell. They've made another investment. They've upgraded ostensibly from Adam Thielen to Jordan Addison. TJ Hawkinson was great last year when they plugged him in on the fly. The offensive line is underrated. You know, they've been so bad for so long. When all of a sudden the offense is going well, you don't notice the offensive line is bad because it's not bad anymore. The offensive line is good enough. The defense just needs to get a little bit better. And it can't get worse. And you're already 13-4. and And, yeah, you're not going to thread the needle to a win every week. You're not going to keep pulling inside straights and pulling the, the rabbit out of your butt and winning these games. But the NFC is so wide open. A little wobble by the 49ers, a little wobble by the Eagles, and the door's open. I just feel like they are strategically taking a step back at a time when you can make the argument that, you know, maybe they are good enough to get lucky and go back to the Super Bowl and lose for the fifth time. I mean, maybe. Who knows? But they're just <laughs> surrendering that. And I think the, the the message is we don't view ourselves as a Super Bowl contender, so we're going to cut costs and we're going to reallocate our resources for the players who are going to be here long-term, specifically Justin yes. Jefferson. I think that's yes. what this is all about. So I understand it. I just think they're going to regret it potentially if Dalvin Cook goes somewhere else and has a great year and they got nothing for him. I think that's why they've played this game. For the average casual fan that isn't locked into the sport every single day like we are, 
you know, they were probably very surprised yesterday. What are you talking about? Dalvin Cook's going to be cut. What do you mean? What is this? And then he goes somewhere else and he has a thousand yard season and the Vikings got nothing for him. What are you talking? What's wrong? What's wrong with the Vikings? I think this is why the Cardinals went through the ruse for as long as they did to try to find a trade partner for DeAndre Hopkins. Because your average fan isn't going to understand it if that guy continues to have a great career and you got nothing for him. Because the average fan doesn't understand these niceties of the salary cap and trying to trade a guy with a big contract. They don't think of it that way. That's what the Vikings were trying to avoid. And they still might. I don't want to write off completely the possibility of a trade by 4 o'clock Eastern today. But I'll be very surprised if it happens. I mean, I would be very surprised if it happened too. Look, I I just think that it's... What they're trying to do, at least in from my view of what their actions are, the Vikings, they are trying to maybe set themselves up for long term sustained success by going through maybe a little bit of short term pain today. You know, you take the risk of saying, all right, well, Adam Thielen, he can go somewhere else. He ends up with the Carolina Panthers and maybe he really helps Bryce Young become a very good young quarterback. We're willing to risk that because, hey, we did bring in Jordan Addison as a first-round pick. And obviously, you don't know that when you cut Adam Thielen, but that's the result, right? You you go through these kinds of things where you're saying, all right, well, if Dalvin Cook goes somewhere else and he performs really well, all right, we have Alexander Madison. We've got another stable of backs that we believe in. We still have Justin Jefferson who is the best receiver in the National Football League, and that's the guy our offense runs through. And I think you can sell that in some way. But, yeah, the the long goodbye is weird because it's not like it's just, oh, man, this stuff popped up like last week or a week. I mean, this has been kind of going on for months where we've had reports out of Minnesota that, oh, well, are they going to cut Dalvin Cook? Are they going to keep Dalvin Cook? Maybe they cut him. Maybe they don't. And maybe this gets traded. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. This has been months of this. So I think for everybody involved, it's probably good to just have a resolution here in the second week of June. Well, you're right. If it was going to end anyway, the sooner it ends, the better. So the team can at large and as a whole get accustomed to the idea that Dalvin Cook isn't going to be there. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. We know he's not going to be in Minnesota, regardless of whether he's traded or cut by 4 p.m. Eastern today. And I highly doubt that there's going to be some 
11th hour reprieve where ownership decides to override Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as he tries to build this team for sustained success. Where do we go from here? Now, the Dolphins have been the team that has been most linked to Dalvin Cook. There have been reports that the Dolphins would be interested if he's released. They weren't going to trade for his salary, but they're interested if released. They've got a great stable of running backs. They've got great skill position players. Is there a spot for Cook? Someone asked Mike McDaniel, the coach of the Dolphins, about Cook yesterday. Have a listen to the question and the answer from one of our favorite coaches in the NFL. Veteran running back from the Minnesota Vikings, who is from Miami, is uh, supposedly going to be released today or has been released. Um, You have said that this team is always seeking to upgrade. Does that apply at running back right now? March 3rd, 1983. Uh, That day I was born, right? Now we take a closer look at that date. And that, in fact, was not yesterday. Okay, so um, uh, people that are on, people are rumored to be um, tall, short. People that are rumored to be, um, you know, that's, you're not, you're not going to get this guy. I'm year two, okay? So um, that, what I am excited about is talking about the most important thing which is the third day of veteran minicamp. And we've got a lot of guys that are good players that have an opportunity to get better. Answer your question? Yes, not to my satisfaction, but yes. (laughs) I mean, unless you're trying to run me out of town, you know? That was the longest wind-up I ever heard to the old I wasn't born yesterday. I think the longest wind-up before that I've ever heard was I was born at night, but not last night. So I loved it because initially I didn't know where he was going and nobody else did. So great job by Mike McDaniel. And, and there was kind of a subtle condescension, not in your face, Bill Belichick, eye roll and grumpy harumphing. But you know, the bottom line is this, if you cover the NFL for a living, probably a good idea to understand the basic realities of the tampering rules Mike McDaniel can't say anything about Dalvin Cook until he is officially released. He's under contract with the Vikings. Anything he says is a potential violation of the tampering rules. And his response kind of implied that the reporter knew. I would wager that the reporter just didn't know that he was dropping the breadcrumbs on a trail that was going to lead McDaniel to a potential tampering violation. But it's just a reminder to anyone out there who covers the NFL, no matter how long or short you've been doing it, one of the basic rules to understand when you're going to ask a coach or a GM about a player that they might be interested in, that player has to be free and clear and disconnected from any team or they can't answer the question. And if they do, they potentially get themselves in trouble. Well, if there's any team that should not be answering a question that could potentially lead to a tampering violation, I think we know it's the Miami freaking Dolphins, right? So good job by Mike McDaniel. It was kind of a Norm McDonald uh, long windup for the joke there. I, I appreciate it. Ah, the light but, was I mean, on. Like, ah, the yeah. light was on. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, look, It's I, the great I think moth that- story. I, you didn't get that one. There's a great, I, I didn't, I long, didn't. convoluted. I, I, now that you say it, it's Conan look O'Brien, it up, look it right? Up. 
Yeah. Yeah, that it. great long convoluted moth thing about going, yeah, well, why'd you come in here? Well, the light was on. All right, go ahead. Yes, thank you for interrupting me when I was going to make a point. Go ahead. Then, Sorry. You know, thank you. Yeah. It wasn't a good one. Good? That's why you I interrupted should... you. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. That's well, you did <laughs> earlier when I said funny story. <laughs> and then you waited until after to say that wasn't very funny. Regardless, I, I think that when you're looking at the Miami Dolphins and a Dalvin Cook and potentially adding a veteran running back, like, yeah, everybody, I think, could use somebody like a Dalvin Cook, but it has to make sense contractually. And also, I mean, and Mike McDaniel kind of said this, they've got a pretty good stable of running backs already. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, Ahmed, uh, the kid from Texas A&M, they just drafted, shout out to Shereen Williams. So, I mean, it's not like they're really lacking at that position. And when you look at that offense, it's another place where it's going to run through the receivers, right? You have a Tyreek Hill, you have a Jalen Waddle. That's where a lot of the attention is going to go offensively. And even though Mike McDaniel is a former run game coordinator, he has talked about needing to run the ball more. I just, I don't know if Dalvin Cook is really the difference maker that you would really need for that team to to take it over the top. I think they might have everything they need already. There's been plenty of speculation about the Bills. My understanding is he's not interested in going to his brother's team. Not that he doesn't want to play with his brother James, but this is the year James takes over. He's being respectful of the fact that that's James' team. Now, look, the Dolphins, the favorites at plus 100. Um, The Jets... At, at plus 250, you're intriguing me because I'd previously heard maybe the Jets could be the team to watch because of Brees Hall, the torn ACL. They've been saying he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. We expect him to be ready week one. That may all be part of the grift as they wait for the opportunity to go get him. Don't be stunned if the Jets make a run at Dalvin Cook. The Broncos are a team to watch. They've been quietly lurking on Dalvin Cook. Sean Payton wants to have as many running backs as possible. They don't know about Javante Williams, another guy coming back from a torn ACL. They added Samaj P. Run. He's going to get a bulk of the work. But what does Sean Payton like to do? Even when he had Reggie Bush, second overall pick, his first year in New Orleans, what did he do? He plugged him into Deuce McAllister, Pierre Thomas, revolving door. And so, I mean, Cook would have to realize if I go to Denver – Maybe my career gets extended because I don't get used the way I did in Minnesota. I'm just part of this, it's me, then it's Pirine, then it's Williams rotation. But the Broncos have been interested in Cook. And my understanding is there's, and I haven't found out which team it is, but there's apparently some team the Vikings really wouldn't want him to go to that he may end up going to. And if it's in the division, like, I don't know, is it the Lions with the Chris Spielman, Rick Spielman connection? But they just added Jameer Gibbs, and they signed David Montgomery in free agency. That would make no sense to me. The Packers have Aaron Jones and the, 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 the Quadzilla. Why am I blanking on Quadzilla's name? A.J. Dillon, thank you very much. A.J. Dillon, I just said it. Uh, and, and the Bears, the Bears, maybe the Bears, but they added Deontay Foreman, one of my favorite underrated running backs in the NFL. So I don't know who the Vikings are nervous he's going to end up with. But that's another reason why you try to trade him. You redirect him away from somebody where you would have to deal with Dalvin Cook as a member of the opposition. Well, also what you said about the Broncos, I mean, you think about anytime Sean Payton is the head coach, you went all the way back to Reggie Bush. I'll just go back a few years where it was Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And I mean, that was one of the better one-two punches that we had in the National Football League at that time. And I think 
if you're Dalvin Cook, yeah, you would be intrigued by going to a Sean Payton offense and potentially being used like an Alvin Kamara, where it's not just where you're slippery in the run game, but you also are kind of integral in the pass game as well. And I think, you know, from what we saw of Javante Williams last year before the injury, he's another one of those guys that can really do things at a high level. So, I mean, and they have P. Ryan, as you mentioned, who's a guy that, you know, emerged last year when Joe Mixon got hurt. He made a lot of plays, scored a lot of touchdowns for them So in Cincinnati Bengals. So I think that that could be a decent opportunity for a guy like Dalvin Cook. But there's another team on that list that I thought was pretty intriguing of the odds where he could go. The Dallas Cowboys. Right. I mean, they could use some depth at running back now that Ezekiel Elliott's not there. Yeah, I know they drafted Deuce Vaughn, but at the same time, if you add a guy like a Dalvin Cook to a Tony Pollard led backfield, like that's a really, really formidable thing that you've got there. So I, I would like to see him maybe go to the Cowboys. I think that that would be fun and interesting. The Deuce Vaughn angle is intriguing to me because he is not going to be a between the tackles runner unless he's going to run through guys legs. He is not going to be that type of a player for the Cowboys. He's just not. We showed, we showed the video a few weeks ago of Micah Parsons, Deuce Vaughn and somebody else, a receiver doing drills. And, and it looked like two guys and someone's kid. That's how small Deuce Vaughn is. And I know you can be an effective running back and not be very tall. My point is they need somebody between the tackles. And I'd take Dalvin Cook right now over Ezekiel Elliott. I know Jerry Jones hasn't closed the door on an Ezekiel Elliott return, but I think the real message here is Dalvin Cook's available, and maybe that's the team since they blew the doors off the Vikings last year Mm -hmm. in the worst home loss since they lost to the Cardinals in the early 60s, man. You're talking about clowns in the 60s, man. You don't get that reference. That was a flop. That was the game my son went to. First Vikings home game ever. Flew up there right after the Bills game, and they got destroyed by the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So maybe that's the team that that the Vikings really don't want him to land with. But it would make sense. If you're leaving Mm -hmm. a light on for Ezekiel Elliott, and now Dalvin Cook's on the front porch, you turn the light off for Zeke very quickly and you welcome in Dalvin Cook if you're the Dallas Cowboys and that's a place where I think he could be a real difference maker he'd be a difference maker anywhere but you got Pollard coming off of the broken ankle you got Deuce Vaughn who's more of a you know in space outside the tackles option you want somebody you're going to pound in the middle of the line and maybe he's going to bust through and take off Dalvin Cook's your man Dalvin Cook's the one of all the guys out there right now Dalvin Cook's the one I would want if I was the Dallas Cowboys so I, I think yes. you may be onto something there. So Cowboys and Jets are a couple of ones to just kind of watch. And boy, wouldn't it be something if the Jets find a way to add Dalvin Cook with Aaron Rodgers and with Garrett Wilson and with Alan Lazard and with everything else they have going on there, that that would give them a little bump up as they try to fight through a tough schedule and get to the postseason. Yeah, choo-choo, baby. That's the hype train coming. For the Jets, ooh-wee, yeah, they had Dalvin Cook. That I mean, you already have Aaron Rodgers. The hype train is already there, but, I mean, it would only add to it if you add somebody like a Dalvin Cook, who we know can be an effective running back. All right, uh, the Broncos, as we mentioned, are potentially in the mix for Dalvin Cook. They spent some of their money yesterday, some of that Walmart money, going to former Chiefs pass rusher and Seattle before that, Frank Clark. 
That, that's a guy that was just kind of lingering. We had a draft not that long ago of best remaining free agents on this program, and we talked about all the pass rushers that were out there. There's a lot of pass rushers out there, and some of them this week have been signed. Leonard Floyd gets signed, and now we see Frank Clark becoming a member of the Denver Broncos. I think the guy's still got some gas in the tank. And, look, any of these moves the Broncos are making, calculated by Sean Payton to try to make a bad team better, and Clark – Clark can help make a bad team better. Yeah, he can. Um, I mean, I don't know that Frank Clark has ever really like, gotten to his potential. You know, I mean, Frank Clark is a guy that was integral to the Chiefs' 2019 Super Bowl run. He had five sacks in that postseason. But, I mean, he only had uh, – yeah, I mean, he didn't have that many sacks last year for Kansas City. I don't have it in front of me. I meant to. But uh, it's like he's one of those guys where if he's really on it, he can really be an effective guy, but I don't know that he is that dude that we would want him to be, you know, as a guy who's like your top tier edge rusher, because if he were, then he wouldn't still be on the market at this point. So, I mean, you, you get a, a guy who was on a division rival, you get somebody who's going to be motivated for those two games whenever they are against the Chiefs next year, but... He'll be 30 next week. We'll see that he has left. I'm sure he has something. And I also would suspect that Vance Joseph has a good plan with how to utilize him in that defensive front. And look at those numbers. Now, Zach Allen and Frank Clark, new to the team, they both had more sacks than the guys that were on the roster last year. Randy Gregory was a disappointment with only two. Clark and Baron Browning have the the same at five, but there isn't anyone who jumps off the page. They had high expectations for Randy Gregory. Shoulder injury dragged him down last year. So they need that rotation. They need guys. That's something that Sean Payton's Saints always focused on, and they were blessed to have Cam Jordan for all those years. They gave up a lot to get Marcus Davenport in the draft a few years ago. They want pass rushers. They want guys that create havoc. And when you're talking about all the great quarterbacks they're going to be facing in their own division, much less the rest of the schedule, you need someone who can put some heat on the quarterback. So that's why they make that move when they do. But there's still a lot of pass rushers out there with name recognition who have plenty of sacks over the course of their career. And I think we're going to see more and more of those guys sign as we get closer and closer to the start of camp. The big move, obviously, last year for the Broncos was the quarterback position with Russell Wilson. And I always love it when somebody gets a chip on his shoulder and or a stick up his butt over Mm -hmm. the fact that the rest of the world happened to notice that somebody didn't play well. Garrett Bowles defending Russell Wilson against those of us who just happened to notice last year was not a good year for Russell Wilson. Here's Bowles taking up for his quarterback. Um, I think he's phenomenal. You know, you guys write the stories, so, you know, the fire goes where you guys write. And that's just reality. But we knew who he was as a person. We know who he is. Um, I've known him very personal. I love him dearly. Um, I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game in the last 10 years. I mean, stats don't lie. Um, just because you have one rough season, you can't, you can't you know, dictate the type of guy and his personality and what he goes through. Um, you know, I was angry with everything that came out because I love him dearly. I take it very personal. Um, when people talk about him because nobody knows him like I do um, or us here. And so, um, you know, when you put when you put a heart on the line um, and, you know, you're focused and, you know, things go rocky, um, you know, you look like the bad guy, but he's not. Um, he's a great dude. You know, he's the same guy every single day, works his butt off. Um, and, you know, I'm ready for that stuff to go away. Um, and when it goes, you know, everyone's going to eat crow. This is a product of Sean Payton. 
I don't want to give him unnecessary praise for what we heard yesterday, but you know what? When all the stuff was going sideways last year and everybody was saying all the things they were saying about Russell Wilson, where's, where was Garrett Bowles to say all that stuff then? Where was anybody from within the locker room to stand up and say, leave Russ alone? No, no, not like there that. Were some. Not like what we there saw yesterday. Some. Not like Yeah, well, how are you going like to say that? leave Russ alone when he's playing like dog poo in the middle of the season oh, and everybody's just reacting to that? I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to eat anything, all right? If, if it's crow that I will eat, it will taste just fine, and I will be just fine <sighs> with it because I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for reacting to Russell Wilson playing badly and saying he played badly because you're you're mad about it. I mean, all the stuff that came out. I mean, what, what what am I supposed to do? Say that Russell Wilson is fine when he's taken the most sacks in the league? He scored 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Oh, man, Russell Wilson was great last year. Really? I mean, what, what are we doing here? They didn't even score 17 points a game last year. Last offense in the entire league in terms of scoring. So... I don't really know what, why I'm supposed to eat crow when I'm, we are reacting to what it is that we're seeing. Sorry, Garrett Bowles. I get that he's defending his quarterback, and like that, that's great. Like Defend your teammate. Be a great teammate. I, I understand that. But I also am not going to sit here and be like, oh, man, that narrative last year was so ridiculous about Russell Wilson because we were all reacting to exactly what he did on the field. The hell is that? No, I'm not. I'm not apologizing for that. We were reacting to what we saw, and Russell Wilson was bad. He wasn't the only thing that was bad about the Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett certainly bad too, but he was bad, and so we said he was bad. The end. For all we know, crow is the secret ingredient in exotic chicken fingers. I don't know. I don't have the recipe. <laughs> I don't either. But my my point is this, and and I tried to set up the notion that I agree with everything you just said before I threw to the sound. It always drives me nuts when players get indignant about the fact that we in the media have eyes and ears and can discern crap when we see it. It was a bad, horrible, awful year for the Broncos and Russell Wilson. My point is part of the effort to get the most out of Russell Wilson is to have him propped up. We got to prop him up. We got to fight for him. We got to defend him. Somebody says something bad about Russell Wilson. We got to say, shut up. This is our guy. And I just feel like this full-throated effort by Garrett Bowles that I don't recall him making during the crap year last year. That's my point. When you've got a coach who understands all the details and all the nuances and isn't just a glorified offensive coordinator who has landed in a spot above and beyond his overall skill set as a coach like Nathaniel Hackett did. You have somebody who understands the importance of messaging. You've got, I think you're going to hear it from more of these guys. This year, all the way, every step of the way, they're going to prop up Russell Wilson like he's never been propped up before in the hopes of getting him to play better. Now, if he doesn't play better, he's gone after this year. Mm -hmm. That's the downside. Hey, Russ, we're going to prop you up, but if you suck again, you're going to be playing for somebody else in 2024. But this is just part of the environment that I think Sean Payton is trying to create. If you're ever going to have a chance to get the most out of Russell Wilson in Denver, you've got to fight for this guy. You've got to get behind this guy. He's the leader and everybody else isn't just following. They're fighting on his behalf, which is great. I mean, more power to him, but I mean, I weird some of this stuff from receivers last year too, even at the height of the crap. Right. I mean, I remember Jerry Judy coming out and saying really good things about Russell Wilson, and they all talk about how hard he works. 
And it's great. I mean, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Russell Wilson's character or his work ethic or any of that because I don't see it. And that's true. But when it comes to the results that we saw on the field, Russell Wilson did not have a good 2022 season, full stop, period. And I, I'm sorry, like if you have a problem with people saying that, then you have a problem with the truth. And it's all about narrative, right? If we can say all these different things, but the narrative changes when a player plays better. It's another thing that the Kelsey brothers have said. Jason Kelsey said this on one of his podcasts. He gets annoyed when people talk about, oh, it's this narrative, it's that narrative. The narrative changes, the narrative shifts, the narrative gets more positive if you see that players are playing better. So if Russell Wilson comes out like gangbusters and has an incredible first four games of the season and is the Russell Wilson that we expected to see last year when he got there to Denver and we see it this year, then everything changes because everybody's reacting to what they see. So, yeah, I mean, I know we're kind of going in circles about this, but like, I just, the the whole like, oh, you guys are mean because Russell was in it, like it it gets on my nerves. You came dangerously close to saying you can't handle the truth there at one point from the movie (laughs) that I've encouraged you to watch, but you've yet to watch. Because it's like $13 uh, to um, rent. I'm not paying that. It's not $13 to rent. It's not. Uh, it's $13 to buy. Maybe there isn't. It's it so weird. This whole, everything about the whole streaming reality, like it's available here. It's like, it's like, it's like playing three card Monty. Like, where's the, you know, like, where's the ace? Like, I don't know. You, it's on Hulu. Well, then it's gone. Well, where is it now? Well, I don't know. Oh, there it is on Netflix. Well, well, wait, now it's gone. Where is it now? Oh, now it's on Peacock. Well, okay. Well, no, where is it now? I mean, it's just so weird. You there's got to be a logic Peacock to it. There's got to be a, a plan lot of things to, it. to watch there. There, there are a lot of things to watch on Peacock. Just squat on Peacock, and eventually, all the great movies will be there. And mm-hmm. watch them while they are, because you never know when they're going to be gone. All right, we're going to be gone just for a little bit. We talked about messaging as it relates to propping up a leader. There's another important type of messaging that Sean Payton is doing, and every coach should be doing it. Payton addressed it yesterday. We'll discuss it next. Sean Payton on the important topic of player gambling. More PFT Live right after this. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 